Okay, let's uh, prepare our hearts as we get ready to study again once more how to love one another, building up of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's prepare our hearts by confessing any sins we have. I'll give you a few moments for silent prayer, and then I will open in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered here this evening because we love you and we worship you for who you are and all that you've done for us. Particularly, you've made it possible for us to have a relationship with you because of the sin problem that has been removed through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Help us as we uh, study tonight to keep our focus, to be not distracted, but to Ask the Holy Spirit to make the things understandable so that we can apply them in our lives and glorify you in time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're up to episode 7. The use of the Greek pronoun, a lay loan, in the books of James and Peter tonight. And as we've gone through this study, we have a summary verse from John 15, verse 12. Jesus commands here, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. And we've made that our summary verse because that's what it's about. It's about love. God is love, and we should strive and try to emulate love towards one another as God has loved us. That love has been defined for us by Jesus. He says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. He did that on the cross to pay that penalty, that sin penalty that we could never pay. And we are enabled and given the strength and power to do that. As we read in Philippians 4.13, I can, Paul says, I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. So I hope you take advantage of that, that you pray to God regularly so that you can be strengthened to do all that God wants you to do in your life. We have been saved for a purpose, not just to wait for him to return for us, but to do those good works that God has prepared in advance that we would walk in, making disciples for Jesus and to love one another. Okay. So what did we learn last time, last Wednesday? Well, we learned a lot. I hope, I hope you learned a lot. Uh, first, we looked at the parable of Jesus with the wise man and the foolish man and the way they built houses on different foundations, the wise and the foolish. That was found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. The two builders, and the application is to be wise, not to be, a f- be foolish, but to build our lives on the teaching of God and his word and not man's uh, teaching or whatever plans that, uh, or theories that, that men have. Deception, false doctrine, uh, that's not how we build our lives to glorify God. We do that by... Uh, reading God's word, understanding it, and then applying it as we have opportunity. We also learned 
to ask God for the increase. The increase of what? The increase of love for one another. Because it's God who can cause that. We are a vessel. God fills that vessel as we allow. We also learn that God teaches us to love one another. That was from 1 Thessalonians 4.9. That's how Paul described the church. The people there were, had been taught by God. Does this describe your life? Are you being taught by God? Or are you being taught by so-and-so? If it's not God, well, then you're, you're uh, going to be falling astray and going off course, as we all know. We also learned to comfort one another. That's a command also, to comfort one another. This was in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, the passage on the rapture, Christ coming in the clouds and we'll meet him in the air. But the Thessalonians had uh, an issue. They had lost members of their family physically, had died, passed on, and they were, they were, uh, they were de- despairing about that. And so Paul wanted to say that we should be comforting them because of what is our future, which is that we will one day be with the Lord forever and forever. We all have down times. We all have moments where we lose loved ones. I know I lost my father a couple of years ago. It was very tough. And my mom is 90 years old next month, so uh, it's, it's coming for her. And we'll miss, we miss them when they pass, but as, as we think about that, we know that they, they have accepted Christ. They've trusted him, so we will meet them again. In the clouds, they'll be one of the ones rising first if they've passed. But uh, comforting is, is something we as believers should be doing when one of us is down or despairing. And along with that, we're, we're commanded to encourage one another. Now, last week I mem- mentioned that this, this is the same word used in those two verses, comfort and encourage. It's the same Greek word. And the reason is trans- I translated that differently is because of the context. In, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, it's Paul's talking about people who have lost loved ones. But in 5.11, he's talking to people who are living their life for Christ. That's their, their, their mission, their, their goal in life is to be serviceable and to be useful for the Lord. And so for them... At that point, they need encouragement, not comforting. And we saw that we should seek the good for one another. This was First uh, Thessalonians 5.15, not repaying evil for evil. We don't want to take revenge. We don't want to let, let, leave room for God to have his justice met for those people who wrong us or if we think they've wronged us. But what you can do is always be ready to help one another. If they have a problem, if somebody comes to you, be ready and willing. And I just wanted to, I didn't teach this last time, but let's turn there to 1 Thessalonians 5.15 because what follows there, that verse, are eight quick bullet point imperatives. I'm just going to read them. You can follow along if you want. But verse 15 says, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is 
good for one another and for all people. And here we go, verse 16, rejoice always. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Number three, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But rather, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And that is the eighth one. So there's some quick bullet points that Paul uh, points out to these and, and delivers in this letter. I just wanted to share those because uh, obviously we want to see good for one another. But these other things are more, they're not church building as, as such. They're more individual. But if, you, if everybody's applying them, then the church is going to grow together. And then we had the last one, which was from Hebrews, which may or may not have been written by Paul. Stimulate one another to love and good works. The goal is that we will all do those good works that God has prepared in advance that we would do. We would walk in them. So that's what we need to do. We need to be stimulating one another that they follow through. You know, a lot of people have great plans, and I'm guilty of this too, but those plans never come to fruition because didn't get the motivation, the stimulation that maybe would have put me over the top. So don't let that happen. You have friends, you have family members, do that for them. Stimulate them to love and good works and glorify God. All right. So those are some of the lessons we learned last time that concluded all the uses of a lay loan by the Apostle Paul. So now we're going to look at how James uses that and you can turn your Bibles to James 4.11. We'll start there. James 4.11. There it is in the Greek. And this is a great verse if you want to learn Greek. It, it has the same verb, katalelao, in three different forms, all in, all in the same verse. I think that's very unusual. But it's also interesting... And what it means is, well, here's the, here's the translation. Do not speak against one another, brethren. Whoever is speaking against a brother or is judging his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. So that first in the blue, katalete, that's the... That's the main command. That's the present active imperative, second person, plural. And it means to speak evil or to slander. We don't want to do that. That's not going to help the church grow or build up one another. No, so that's one we're not going to do. The green, the first green, that's a present active participle, nominative, singular, masculine. The other, the, the final one at the katalele, if Mike wanted to jump in on that. Present active indicative, third person singular. Because that, the subject in that is whoever. So anyway, we don't want to speak evil of one another. That's something we definitely are not called to do. As I said, from what we learned last week, we want to build one another up. We don't want to be tearing them down. And then, uh, you know, speaking against another brother is speaking against the Mosaic Law. This is Paul's audience that he's writing these new believers, most of them probably Jewish. And we shouldn't be judging the law. 
God gave the law. He knows what the law is and how it's best for us. And you also know that we can't keep the law because we're sinful. We need a Savior, and he provided that too. But if God loves a person who's speaking against the law, well, we're called to love that person also, and that's tough. If, if somebody's arrogant and thinking they're above the law, well, pray for that person. Pray for that person because judging the law, you're not doing it. And that's, that's what people forget about this particular verse is if you're judging the law, well, you're not bothering to do it. You're not doing it. But you should be doing it. You should be obeying the law. All these commands that, that the apostles are giving us here in the New Testament letters, uh, they're for us to do. And if we're judging that and who's giving that command to us, well, then we're not doing it like we're supposed to be. James 5.9 Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you will not be judged. Behold, the judge, is at the, the judge before the door has been standing. A little more of the Greek order there. But that word, the verb complain, do not complain, present active imperative again, Second person plural means to sigh deeply. And how many times have you heard people sigh deeply in exasperation, groan, moan, complain? That's how this word is defined. Don't do that. Don't do that. And that's easy to do. Sometimes we don't come out and criticize somebody, but we'll, by our body language, by a deep sigh or a groan, we can convey the same message to that person, that we're not satisfied with them or we are not agreeing with them, don't do that. Because you're judging that person by doing that. And that's not what we're called not to judge, but to work together with one another, to love one another. And so uh, that, and I just want to point out the judge before the door, that's Christ. He's the judge. He's going to judge us. And he has been standing. It's not that... He is standing there now. Yes, he is, but he has been standing there while you're doing this. Okay. And that, that just means to stand, make stand, or put forward. He has been standing there watching all that you're doing. All right. Moving on. James 5.16. This is a little harder one. Therefore, confess to one another your sins and pray for one another. Two occurrences of a lay loan here in this verse. So we're commanded to confess. That's the Greek, exomalagolo. <laughs> I butchered that. Exomalagolo. Exomalagolo. And it's a, and again, a present active imperative, second person plural. It means to confess, admit, acknowledge, or consent. So when you're confessing to one another your sins, hey, we're all sinners. We're all sinners, and it's, it's our nature to hide our sins. We learned that from Adam in the garden. Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from God and cover their sins with fig leaves. But you know what? God knows what's going on. He knows it all. He knew it in eternity past. But by confessing your sins and praying for one another, 
you, you remove a blockage between your, your, yourself and that other person. But you can abuse that, and it can be abused by the other person. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. That word pray, ukamai, another present active imperative. Uh, second person plural, it means to pray or to utter. That, that form is, is only used seven times in the New Testament. The most common, much more common is prosukamai, to pray. That's used 86 times. And then maybe healed. This is in a, in a context where Paul, I mean, uh, James is saying there's people who are sick in the church and you need to pray for them to heal so they be healed and they can be restored. That, that verb may be healed, present passive subjunctive. Second person plural. It means to heal, cure, restore. And that's, like I said, it's because many in that congregation James is writing to had, had taken ill. So pray for them. Pray for them. We can always pray. We just had our prayer meeting uh, last hour. And uh, there's power in prayer. You know, James says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So don't be shy about praying. And uh, if you don't know how to pray, my advice is look at the example Jesus gives when the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, there's a good pattern there. The Lord's Prayer, study that and see what, how Jesus does it and what he's teaching. That will help you in your own prayer life. And do it often. The more you do anything, the better you get at it. So if you're praying a lot, you'll get better and better and better with your prayers. All right, so that's the four uses of a lay loan by James. And so let's see, how does, James use, how does James use this preposition? Well, he commands not to do two things out of the four. Two out of the four are negatives. Do not do. The other two are commands to do things. And all four commands are verbal. They're all verbal when we look at those. Um, Do not speak against. Uh, Let's see. Let's just go back. Do not speak against. Do not complain. Confess and pray. Pray can be silent, but it can also be verbal. So it's interesting how James uses it in a more verbal context. And what does that mean? What does that tell us? Well, James is emphasizing dialogue between believers in the church. You want to have that dialogue with people. You know, we live in, a, in an electronic culture now where everything can be done by text or email, not necessarily, or even phone, but it's not necessarily face-to-face. I think that's what James is emphasizing here, the verbal sense of the word, uh, the verbs used with alelon. So that's James. Now let's move on to Peter. Turn in, in your Bibles to 1 Peter 20, 1.22. And here we read, Your souls, having been purified in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren, 
after all that, then from the heart, one another love fervently. One another love fervently. Isn't that what Jesus tells us to do? Love one another? Peter adds fervently. Peter's uh, personality and his uh, accent recorded in the Bible says he wants to be the first. He wants to be out there. wants to walk on the water. So he adds fervently to, <laughs> to the command Jesus gives. Fervently, that's a word that's used three times, ektenos. And, and I looked it up those three times. Here's one. The first occurrence is in Luke 22, where Jesus is praying fervently in the garden. So fervently, in fact, that he's sweating drops of blood. And the other uh, second use of the word is in Acts 12.5. That's when Peter is in prison, and the, the believers are praying fervently for his release, his safety uh, during that period. And God did answer that prayer. He was released by an angel, unlocking the gates and leading him out. So those are the other two uh, uses of that word, fervently. But that's how we're to love one another. You know, you can love somebody in a minute way, very little. You can love little or you can love much. Um, In fact, Jesus tells the parable of the guy who was forgiven a huge debt and the guy who was forgiven a small debt. And he asked the the, uh, person who was giving the banquet, Jesus asked him which one would love him more. And the guy judged correctly, the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said yes, because why? He, He loved because he was forgiven much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. So there is degrees of love for us, and my advice and my encouragement for each one of you is to and for myself, is to love more and more. Uh, Just with prayer, the more you love, the easier it is to love, and the greater capacity you have, I'm convinced, the greater capacity you have to love. Again, that's here at the uh, Love One Another, Agapesate, from Agapao, it's an aorist active imperative here, second person plural, meaning to love, have affection for, love and concern for, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to be Loving people. All right, First Peter four nine. Very short verse, and there's no verb in there. No verb in the text. Really, literally, it's hospitable, hospitable to one another without complaint. We supply the verb to be verb, be hospitable to one another without complaint. So is that be? How do we? Uh, it's not there in the in the Greek. How do we interpret this? Is this a command? Is this an exhortation? Uh, how do we interpret it? Well, let's look at the context because that's how you're going to find out context. If you look back, First Peter four eight. Oops, going the wrong way. First Peter four eight. We read above all for yourselves having fervent love, because love covers a multitude of sins. Well, there's no imperative mood verb there. That verbal form, a contest, that's a, that's a participle. That's not an imperative verb. So what do we do? We keep going. Let's go back some more. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that if you're on any uh, major city street 
at certain times. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the prayers. These are two active, aorist active imperatives. Two aorist active imperatives. Be of sound judgment and be sober. Past or active imperatives. So, I think it's safe to assume that Peter is continuing his train of thought in issuing commands so that verse 9, 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable, we should take that as a command. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. We just had in James, don't complain, do not complain. So be hospitable. It's not a a burden to be hospitable if you have the resources. In fact, you probably should be expecting uh, God to want you to be hospitable. You know, hospitality is greatly commended in the Bible many, many times. So be hospitable. And I would take that as a command. 1 Peter 5.5 Likewise, younger men, Younger men, be subject to elders and all to one another with humility, clothe yourselves. With humility, clothe yourselves. That's the command. Because God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So be subject to, at the beginning, to elders, an heiress passive imperative. That's not really part of our uh, study. It's not included in the LA loan, but it's good advice. Uh, but clothe yourselves. That's the Greek, ekambaamai, baamai, ekambaamai, baamai. Anyway, <laughs> I'm working on this. An heiress middle imperative. So when you clothe yourselves, yeah, you're doing something, but you're also getting a benefit that you're, you're being clothed, you're going to be warm. Uh, and that means to put on, to dress, or to bind even, to bind in a uh, restricting sense. Remember, this is a slave culture that Paul is, is living in at this time. So clothe yourselves with humility. You know, people uh, in our society, we're, we're always trying to get ourselves out there. Look at me, uh, was mentioned earlier, I think at the prayer meeting. And we're promoting ourselves, or people are promoting themselves constantly. That's not what God's calling us to do. God wants us to be humble, to be uh, clothed with humility. Why? Because God opposes the proud. Remember, Satan uh, had the I wills in Isaiah because of his arrogance and pride. So God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That verse uh, is an Old Testament reference, Proverbs 3.34. You know, why don't we look at that? Because... When I was looking at that and tracked that down where it was, the, the passage, the context is very familiar sounding. Proverbs 3. And let's look at this passage starting in verse 27. Proverbs 3.27. He says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Sounds kind of familiar with what our study's doing. I'll lay alone, be loving one another. Verse 28, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it. 
when you have it with you. So if you have something and somebody asks you for it, don't tell them, hey, see me tomorrow. No, give it to them while you have, when you have it, when he asks for it. Verse 29, do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. How about that? If he's done you no harm, don't, don't contend with him. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. What a great blessing that is. If you're righteous, if you're seeking good and, and helping people, God will be intimate with you. Reminds me of a verse in James, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Verse 33, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. That's the verse 34. Though he scoffs at the, at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display honor. And just so you know, honor is something that accrues and multiplies over time, generally. But dishonor, that can happen in an instant. Dishonor can happen before you know it. So those are some uh, good little rabbit trail on our study of a lay loan and church building. These are more personal things to do and to apply. But I thought they kind of resonated a little bit. They sound familiar to the study we're, we're doing here in the epistles. All right. Back to 1 Peter. Verse 14. 1 Peter 5:14. And I know Lou's going to be sad about this one, but it's the the finally come to the last occurrence of kissing one another. <laughs> now Paul, if you remember Paul says Holy kiss, that's the term he uses, a holy kiss. But Peter just says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. Again, that's an aorist middle imperative, second person, plural, meaning to greet. And we said at the time, we went through those other instances of Paul saying something similar, that uh, we want to be friendly. We want to be warmly greeting our brothers and sisters in Christ when we come here, when we see them out and about, you know, be warm to them. Kiss of love. So I hope that uh, settles everything for you, Lou. <laughs> All right, so let's take a quick look. See how Peter used, he only used it four times. Uh, let's see how, how Peter used it. So one, one, the first way, be loving. That was his, his command, be loving. Um, second was, be hospitable. Be hospitable. Practice hospitality. Third was to be humble. Be humble. Clothing ourselves with humility. And the fourth is, uh, be outgoing. Now that's, I had a hard time with this one, trying to find the right word for uh, greet one another in a friendly way. And you know, outgoing was kind of a middle of the road because, you know, looking it up, 
Genial seems like it's not enough, but gregarious is over the top. So somewhere in the middle there, you want to be friendly and outgoing to one another, especially to believers in Christ. All right. Because the bottom line is we're all working on ourselves, and we should be working on ourselves, uh, praying to God to give us these things that we need to do, conforming us to the image of Christ. You know, Christ, I think of the woman at the well. He didn't just ignore her like he could have, like most rabbis of his day would have done, but he reached out to her and asked her a simple question, and that began a conversation that led to... uh, Great things for her and that village. So be, be outgoing is, is the thing. So, all right, so quickly, some lessons, lessons to learn that, that we learned tonight. Well, speak well of one another. Speak well of one another. That's James 4.11. We want to accentuate the positive. Don't speak against somebody, but accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. How many remember that song by Bing Crosby? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, Joel, Joel can play it if he's got it on his thing up there. <laughs> All right, number two, stop complaining about one another. And this can be hard for some of us to stop complaining. A lot of us are just com- natural-born complainers, but uh, that's not what we're told, told to do. We're, we want to accept one another as God has accepted us. You know, we're, we're not wonderful as, as we think we are. Uh, in fact, we're commanded many times not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So accept one another. Remember, you're a work in progress, but so is everyone else. They're a work in progress. God is working in them, and so we need to accept them and stop complaining about one another. All right, confess and pray to one another. Confess, and, confess to and pray for one another. You know, confession is what keeps us in fellowship with God. So that's important. We're not going to be useful to anybody else if we're out of fellowship and the Holy Spirit has been quenched or uh, we're just not walking by means of the Spirit. We're not going to be useful to God. So confession is, is always important, but we need to pray for one another also. And a great opportunity uh, Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings uh, to come out and pray together. That's always going to be powerful if we're all together praying for the same things. And, uh, you know, we have a list that we put up, specific prayer requests that anybody can add to. And if you have a problem or you're dealing with something, you want us to pray for it, come on out Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. We'd love to to pray together and, and let God handle it. And he will. God will handle it in his way. But we need to get out there. He wants us to pray, to talk to him. Okay. Next, fervently love one another. That's, that takes energy. That takes determination. takes perseverance. And when somebody wants to love you, let them. That's my advice. Let them love you. If they want to do something nice for you, be gracious and accept that. Help them. But... We're commanded to fervently love one another, not just in a superficial way, but deeply. That's our calling as believers in Jesus Christ. And that was First uh, Peter one twenty two. Be hospitable to one another. 
Most of us have more than we need in the physical realm and in uh, provisions and stuff. If we have opportunity and we have abundance, let's share with one another. You know, these are some of the good works that God prepares in advance for us. And we want to do them as we have opportunity. So hospitality, it demonstrates love and concern. If you're taking somebody in, if you're donating uh, to somebody who's in need, what greater way can you love them? You know, that's, that's just uh, common sense. Be uh, hospitable to one another. Again, that's 1 Peter 4.9. Also, we want to be humble toward one another. Arrogance is never uh, in fashion, especially in the church. Nobody's better than us. Nobody's, we're not better than anybody else. We're all the same in Christ. So demonstrate humility and be humble because that will get you far. That's what God loves. You know, he he uh, describes Moses as the most humble man of his time. Uh, a great uh, amount of praise in that. So be humble because that's what God loves, not arrogance. And greet one another with love. I think that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we're always being out friendly to others and not ignoring anybody, not sidestepping people, ducking the other way. Uh, but with hum- humility, we want to greet one another. And then, uh, I think I'm missing one here. Hebrews 10.24, the goal is to, to do those to stimulate people to good works, other believers, stimulate them to good works. Um, try to get them to join you in what you're doing or uh, provide them with opportunities in ministry. There's always something. God has called us for a purpose, and we need to find out what that is. Because God has prepared good works that we would walk in with one another. So that's lessons learned. Now I want to talk about a gospel message as we begin to close. This is the gospel message as preached by Peter in Acts chapter 10. If you want to turn there, I'm going to be reading that passage. And you can take from it what you want. You can apply it word for word. That doesn't mean you're going to get the same results that Peter got uh, because Peter was led there by the Holy Spirit. But uh, Acts chapter 10, just want to show you, and this is the passage where Peter is sent to a Gentile's house, and which was in Jewish culture, that was an abomination to go into a Gentile's house. They didn't do that. But God had a plan for, for Peter and for Cornelius and his household. And so as we study this passage about the gospel as preached by Peter, uh, think about how you can share these things with somebody you know or somebody you may bump into. Acts 10.33. So I, this is Cornelius speaking, so I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation of man, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel 
preaching peace through Jesus Christ. And a parenthetical statement, he is Lord of all. Verse 37, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we'll stop right there. Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was the Messiah of Israel. And God demonstrated that through him by anointing him with the Holy Spirit and with power. So he is the Savior who has come to, to uh, save us from our sins. Verse 39. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. So, there we go. Jesus was put to death on a cross to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. Verse 40. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. Here we go. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, as prophesied in the scriptures. Verse 41. Not to all people but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through him his name... Oh, let me read that again. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in Jesus' work receives forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, eternal life, and much, much more. The work has been done. Salvation can now be freely offered to anyone who believes this. And I trust that you believe this. And if you're not, well, consider what, what I'm saying here. If anyone's hearing my voice, listening to this right now, ten words in English. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. If you believe that, you have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. It's that simple. If you are unsure of your salvation or uncertain of your eternal destiny, you can make that certain and sure right now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, saved for all eternity from being separated from a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, and gave proof of that by raising him from the dead. We are uh, imploring you, if, if you've never done that, if you've never trusted Christ, to do that now, right now. You'll be saved for all eternity, saved from being eternally separated from God forever and forever. So please make the only real choice, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for your salvation. Okay. So, next time, that's all for tonight. Next time, we're going to see, uh, as we've concluded, we've gone through all the uses by Paul, by James and Peter. In their epistles, we can now look to how the Apostle John uses the, the word and the verbs with the preposition, alone and building up the church. So until next time, if anybody has things they can ideas, please submit them.
to one church, to me, maybe to Justin, if anybody has simple ways we can demonstrate love to one another, we'd love to hear them so we can do them. So please send them to us. Uh, we'd like to collect them. And then uh, if we do that, I'll, I'll present them all at, at a lesson in the future. But until then, uh, keep sending them in. Uh, this will be First and Second John, Episode 8. So next, until next time, let's love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that we are the recipients and the beneficiaries of such a loving God who cares for us and has provided everything we need in Christ Jesus for life in this world and for all eternity. Father, we look forward to the glorious day when we can be all together, loving you, worshiping you, praising you for all you've done. Father, as we consider what we've learned tonight, all these things that we've learned on how to love and better love one another, we pray that you'll continue to strengthen us, encourage us, so that we can do these things and uh, glorify you because you loved us. Help us to demonstrate that love to one another. And uh, you will be praised and your name will resound through all the earth. Until, until you come for us, Father, help us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.